Let's kick off this week's podcast with the story that we're not talking about. That's at number 11, the cutoff story, because we talk about the 10 stories you love. And this is one I was hoping to get a chance to get some commentary on, but we'll have to do it offline in the emails at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. Headline, Naomi Osaka to skip news conference at French Open, citing importance of mental health. The short version is... While she's never done very well at the French Open, only going basically three rounds in, she's stating that the media there at the French Open specifically and just in general are asking enough bad questions, enough put enough sour notes into your head that it makes you feel bad and don't do so well, especially at the French Open, saying the French press are very mean to her. You can take that as you will. We can You can look at it by going to our website, thisistheconversation.com, clicking this week's link for the podcast, and we can discuss it offline any way you want to. But let's prepare for what you're really looking for. That are the top 10 stories that you said were the top 10 stories in conversationalness this week. A little bit of surprise and some things have popped up as we trend throughout the week, but we'll find out how it goes from 10 to 1 and then back to the very bottom, 209, here on the weekly wrap-up with Jake Cleveland Payne. The week ending... May 29th, 2021. And welcome to the show. My name, Jay Cleveland Payne, the show weekly wrap up. This is a podcast that is powered by you, the listeners, by not only helping us out with your donations and your love via affiliate links, but you actually do most of the work. What we do here at The Conversation Project is try to find the most conversational, most interesting, most buzzworthy news articles that are out there. We do that by posting them on social media, and then you tell us which ones actually get the juice. You just go to our social media sites on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook, look for This is a Conversation. And Twitter, look for TH underscore conversation. And while you're out there, engage with the stories. Like it, love it, hate it, share it. The more engagement you give to a posting, the more juice it gets. Now, we go from Friday to Friday. Every 50 minutes, we post these links out there. We go from Friday to Friday, cut it off, put it into the spreadsheet where we try to weigh them as equally as possible. Twitter usually has more juice in these things. And then we come up with one real raw score, or actually not a raw score, a run drill two score to give you the details. And then we rank them from top to bottom. This week, bottom is number 208, 208 distinct different postings this week to choose from. And you can see all the news, all the postings, all the links by going to our website, thisistheconversation.com. Click on the link for this week's podcast, week ending May 29th, 2021. Of course, we're going to get to the top 10 in a moment, the ones you really talked about, the ones you really cared about. And like I said, some surprises and how they turned out. We'll explain that along the way. But as we said, powered by you. You can help us power this stuff by going to any of our different sort of venues and clicking in the links and buying from those affiliates. We get a little kickback from those things. So we're on the Facebook feeds. We have links there. Also our website and of course inside the newsletter, eight things to talk about. We'll talk about joining that later on as well. You can also help keep us caffeinated and pay the bills by offering to buy us a cup of coffee or a few cups of coffee or a subscription to coffee. It makes more sense when you go to buymeacoffee.com slash jclifflinpain. As we said before, you can email us at theconversationinbox at gmail.com and anything you want to talk about, put it in the email. We will chit-chat it as much as possible. Without further ado, let's get into the stories so you know exactly what was up this week or find out exactly what other people thought was up just in case you thought it was a little bit tweaking and you didn't like exactly how it went. 
Starting off a story at number 10. This story has a bump in response of 5.29%. That means of all the stories this week, 5.29% more people responded to this one than the story previous, the Naomi Osaka story we're not talking about. And your headline for that one reads, Lil Nas X has a wardrobe malfunction in the middle of Call Me By Your Name performance on SNL finale. Sunday the 25th, the day we posted it. Of course, it happened on the 22nd, the Saturday, Saturday Night Live. I'm going to give you a quick rundown of this one because it's pretty self-explanatory. It was the season finale of Saturday Night Live. He was doing the song Montero, Call Me By Your Name, and in the middle of the performance, there was a bit of a wardrobe malfunction. And in fact, the wardrobe malfunction was essentially his pants splitting. Now, we've already gone over the stuff about the video having him basically doing lap dancing with Satan in the elevator. Of course, that was a big deal. And of course, shirtless backup dancers uh, licking and grinding and all that stuff for the live performance. That was kind of a big deal. But then he went to do some more stunts, and then his pants just ripped, and then we saw it on his face to show that it probably was not a fake thing, and then he tweeted it out because you got to do these things, and people responded. People loved it. People who didn't stay up to watch it live or DVR'd it saw plenty of clips of Little Nas X's X, exterior, and it turned into a thing. It was uh, just one of those things that only can happen live and only be something that once it happens, you either have to celebrate it or call it more more trash, whatever you like for it. The engagement today was posted into the newsletter, which was on Monday for the weekend, is 5.89%. And pop culture happened to be our source, but yeah, he was all over the Twitters and the Instagrams with pictures of him splitting his pants. Let's move on to the story at number nine, a big time story, a heartwarming story, if you will. Uh, this story gets a bump in response from 10 of 5.02%. It was posted on Monday, the 24th of May. And this is one that we actually saw fairly, um, we actually saw it over the weekend and it took a while for it to actually get posted into the mix pun intended and once it got there it took it a while to grow it actually only had an engagement of 3.81 percent on the day it posted into the newsletter tuesday of course and it was at the bottom of the eight things to talk about so barely in there but this is essentially a movement afoot to make this thing happen so more people saw it we saw a lot of response on our social media and it grew large enough to hit the nine spot this week and your headline reads Waffle House sends Bears Daz Newsome waffle mix syrup after he was bummed to find out restaurant was in Chicago. We got this from a site called Audacity.com. Audacity.com. Never heard of it, but we saw the link to it. We put it in there. Here's what we posted in the newsletter this week. In an interview during rookie minicamp last weekend, Bears receiver Daz Newsome lamented how he there isn't a Waffle House in the Chicago area. For a native of Virginia who played collegiately at North Carolina, that was a shocking development of sorts. Quote, I thought Waffle House was global, Noble said, Newsom said, according to the team's website. Where do you go when it's 24 hours and you all you want food at 3 a in the morning, 4 in the morning? That's how we said it, apparently. While not a permanent solution, the 20-year-old Newsom has found a temporary fix. Waffle House sent him a care package with just about everything he needs, and Newsom has put a chef's hat on the Bears headquarters to work at the breakfast. Quote, they sent me some little things, Newsom said at the Pankins and Spiegel show on Friday afternoon. They sent me a hat. They gave me the waffles, the actual mix. So I be getting the people who make our breakfast to make me Waffle House waffles every morning from now on. 
So that's pretty good. They sent me some syrup, some coffee, and things like that. We're going to see if the waffle mix and the waffles themselves are going to help this rookie have a stellar year this year coming up in the NFL. But this is a pretty good publicity stunt. It's pretty good for the folks in Illinois and Chicago who apparently have their own little sort of grassroots effort to get a Waffle House in Chicagoland. Uh, but this is one of those smaller stories that obviously got lost in the mix of all the big stuff that happened this week. And this one took a little while to gain for you guys, but it gained. You guys got it. We're talking about it as a nine story for the week. Another football story, ironically or coincidentally, but not on the happy end. This story at number eight. Tony Busby confirms demand for confidentiality of any Deshaun Watson settlement. Saturday, the 22nd of May, we put that one out there. A bump of response, 3.19%. And this one had engagement on the day it got posted into the newsletter of 4.16%. Football talk. Uh, at NBC Sports is where we got this from. Uh, Tony Busby has been in the news for being the person representing Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson started off the the, the season, uh, or ending the season, I should say, going into uh, the summer for football as suspected to be one of the top uh, round, the top picks for a free agency. Deshaun Watson, essentially everyone agreeing he wasn't treated well in the ending in, in Houston, not being supported. So, Everyone was looking up to seeing where you end up next. Now we're still looking to see whether he's going to play football going forward because many people, 22 plaintiffs, have come out to say that Deshaun Watson sexually harassed him. Why these things were some casual encounters, you want to call it that, but some of these were encounters with things like masseuses in those situations like there. His um, counsel, Tony Busby, also, Rusty Harden, of course, uh, speaking for uh, Watson as well, say that there is a talk about a settlement or many settlements, and there is talk about confidentiality for those settlements. Basically, we wanted to go away is what they're saying. There's a lot of talk about making this go away so that Watson can move on with his life and move on playing football and stop having people coming out of everywhere uh, claiming to be a, a sexual predator and wanting to get justice or compensation or both click on the link at our website this is the conversation.com for this week's podcast week ending may 29 2021 and you can see the write-up the full write-up from pro football talk at nbcsports.com or just search for it online this is one that's been out there the story of deshaun watson's been out there for a while we covered the fact that he was probably leaving houston and then we started covering the fact that he was being allegedly um, called a sexual predator. I'm just saying that for, for word's sake. And we continue to keep it as the more people come out of everywhere to claim that he has some sexual predatory issues going on. We all want to think everybody is innocent to, until proven guilty. So we're going to leave that as it is. But Tony Busby keeps making the news. We're speaking for Deshaun Watson. He did it again this week at the number eight spot. Because that's one you guys cared for. At number seven, this is becoming a trend of one story not being in the newsletter, one story not making the top eight from Monday through Friday, but making its way up slowly and surely to be something that's a big story. The Waffle House story we had a while ago was an example of a lower level story making its way up high enough to be in the top ten. This one was barely there. This one had an engagement on the day it was posted in the eight things to talk about of 0.59%. Literally barely there. We checked. Numbers were there. It was seen, but it just didn't have very much there. And by the end of the week, 
it found its way into the number seven spot. Your headline, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez reveals she's attending therapy and learning to slow down, that's in quotes, after Capitol Riot. The stats for this one, as of now, of course, it was posted on Sunday the 23rd, so it made its way into the Monday, it would have made its way into the Monday, Monday uh, newsletter, which it did not, but it's earned its way up into the podcast here at the standing of having a bump in response at this point of 28.96%. That's how much more it is from the story at number eight and how high it had to push up. I'm going to read you the story. We pulled it from Business Insider. I'm going to read you what we have here. And we put in what we actually pulled late. So it's not as well edited as any of these stories. But here's the details from that story. It's actually a really interesting story and really important. But here it goes. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez revealed Friday she's attending therapy after the, quote, extraordinary traumatizing, unquote, January 6th Capitol insurrection. New York Congresswoman told the public radio show Latino USA that she's learning how to slow down after the attack, which resulted in the deaths of five people, including a police officer. Here's a full quote from her. After the 6th, I took some time and it was really Ariana Presley, Representative Ariana Presley, when I explained to her what happened to me, like the day of, because I ran to her office and she was like, you need to recognize trauma, Ocasio-Cortez said, according to The Independent. More from there. And I feel like I learned this the hard way after my father had passed away when I was a teenager. That happened at a young age and I locked it away. You have to live with it for years, she also added. She said, according to The Independent, more quotes, Oh, yeah, I'm doing therapy, but also I just slow down. I think the Trump administration had a lot on us, especially Latino communities, in a very reactive mode. Carrizo Cortez previously revealed that she hid in the bathroom with a staffer while a mob of angry Trump supporters broke into the Capitol building, many of them chanting her name. More quotes. I thought I was going to die, she recalled in the emotional Instagram live on February. I have never been quieter in my entire life. In her interview with Latino USA, Ortezio Cortez said that the insurrection was deeply traumatizing for many members of Congress who effectively, quote, served in war. That's her quotes. She said the event was also, quote, impacting the actual legislating process in Congress, according to NBC News. More than 490 people have so far been charged in connection to the Capitol riot so far. This is actually a bigger deal than many people might think. And you can do your jokes about AOC, and I do have my jokes about AOC. Now, you can do your jokes about the right or the left as you want to. But a serious event like this can cause a lot of stress and a lot of trauma. And going through um, going through this year, for example, has brought up a lot of stress and trauma that we'll be dealing with coming up in September when we look at a anniversary 20 years since 9-11. And this was something that people were working on, you know, already. And now we have a pandemic that will be coming out of and back to freedom, if you will, to deal with. If you're going through stressful times, and you have a big event like this that may throw you off your game. It might be time to slow down a little bit. It might be time to talk to someone about this. It might be time to do that. It is no, no, there is no shame in admitting that you need to talk something out. Trust me. I, I Trust me. I know I'm one of the biggest people who have problems in doing that, and yet I know and I do do what I can to have discussions with people, regular people and professionals, just to clear the air sometimes. So it may not be something as traumatic as a capture, uh, capital insurrection, 
but traumatic as it may be, it might be time to find someone to chit-chat about it. Moving on to the story at number six, a story that I am surprised garnered so much attention, but it was big from the start, and it is big now. It is six, as I say, posted on Friday the 21st of May. This story gets a bumper response from the number seven story of 9.88% with a headline that reads, WeWork reports quarterly loss of nearly $2.1 billion ahead of public listing. The engagement the day it boasted into the newsletter was 9.03%. We just pulled it straight off of Reuters, and it was all over the place because earnings and stuff. Now, WeWork is the embattled uh, company that is known for really, really cool places to work and rent temporary spaces. For people who are working in the co-working space back in the old day when it was just buy a big building and put out some tables and some dividers, now WeWork has come into place and they buy up nice buildings and set up nice spaces for people to use temporary office space. The problem is, one, they're not making a lot of money, and two, their founder is kind of a crazy person who spent a bunch of money, did a bunch of weird stuff, said a bunch of really bad things. And as the company began to roll up to a public listing, um, got himself in serious trouble. And so like many of the darling unicorns out there, Silicon Valley, Valley backed, WeWork makes no money. WeWork lost $2.1 billion, or exactly $2.06 billion, uh, dealing with restructuring charges while it's preparing to deal what it can for its public offering, um, even though... It's all sort of things. Most of the problems that dealt with WeWork were COVID-19 related, be obvious. People weren't going to offices at all. And people that were, were extremely uh, uh, uptight, is the word we'll say, about how they manage their offices, how they manage space. Therefore, not a lot of people out and about doing stuff. Not a lot of people in common areas. Not a lot of people perusing so not a lot of space to be rented by the WeWork folks. We're going to see how this thing works out going forward as they're still trying to go public. They're still trying to make money. And we still need places to go now that we can go back to going places. How well it'll work for this company, we will see. As I said earlier, this podcast is powered by you. So here is the pitch, pure and simple. Me and the staff of five people that helped me put together this particular podcast, and those staff helped me out with some of the other things, a part of the more better media, larger form of podcast. Uh, we do this because we like talking to the microphones. We like editing audio. We like playing with video, at least trying to play with video, and we like producing things for you. But it takes time. It takes effort. It takes real work. And we think we're doing as good as we can at the level that we can. We'd like to do better, and we know we need more resources. Time is a big resource that we need more of, but time can be bought, if you will, with money, along with other gear and equipment and things like that. So this is where the appeal goes out to you. We've recently changed our methods for direct fundings, our membership sites, uh, from Patreon to Buy Me a Coffee. So if you'd like to be a direct funder of the podcast, this one or essentially anything under More Better Media, go to buymeacoffee.com slash Pain. You also find links at our website and inside of the newsletter and inside of the feeds as well. 
But what we're going to do coming up soon will be some direct links for direct things for you specifically. There'll be insider stuff for all the subscribers who want to buy coffee for the conversation project. But you can buy to help support all the things we do audio-wise. The short stuff, the long stuff, the good stuff, and the stuff that just is what it is. By going to buymeacoffee.com slash Payne. We appreciate that. Now, the most important thing you can do is, of course, share the podcast and share the love. Make sure more people are listening. More people are reading the, reading the newsletter as well. So, if, if anything, make sure that you are sharing what you're getting from us. We're assuming it's you're getting good content or you're, you would be listening to this and at least as far with other like-minded people into conversation. Of course, sharing links so that more people can actually respond and go into conversation. And barring the direct subscriptions, the direct coffee funds for the coffee clubs, you can also just click on any links we have in off our platforms on the newsletter, on the website, inside the feeds. Uh, go to those links, click those. They're affiliate links that allow us to get a little bit of money for referring you to the product. And the products we do, we do a lot of work to make sure the products that we are sharing with you are grand products that offer great stuff. So check those out. If one of those producers, producers, product peoples is something that you like, we we ask you try using one of our links to buy your stuff. If you believe we're offering up good enough content, go to buymeacoffee.com slash jclevenpain and you can support us there directly or just send us an email and let us know how we're doing. Good, bad, or indifferent. Let us know what's going on at the conversation inbox at email.com. Any little bit of any little bit of feedback helps. Any little bit of cash helps. Just knowing you're out there helps because we couldn't do this without you and we couldn't do this if we didn't have it to do it for you. So the most important thing to remember is we thank you for listening and being here. Make sure you're sharing the experience with others. And if you'd like to help us along the way, you know how to help us along the way. Apologies for the number five story, because this is one you did not get a chance to actually get a chance to see ahead of time. It actually was posted, the story we posted for you guys, on Friday, the 21st of May. So it had all weekend to get through and make it to the newsletter from Monday morning. Unfortunately, I copied the wrong block of information from the feedback and the write-up and did not get this, this to you. This was the number two story on Monday morning. Uh, the engagement on that day was 9.18%. And the uh, well, so the the bump in response from the number six just for the countdown is slight, but it's pretty big, 1.36%. I'm going to read the headline. I'm going to read what we posted in the newsletter the, the, from Political, Politicus. Politicus USA, one of those blog sites, and we'll, we'll discuss it on the back end. And I apologize you didn't chance to, get to enjoy the love of this one earlier unless you actually saw this in the feed. But it, it trust me, this was a laster. This, this one was a strong one. President Obama called Trump a racist, sexist, lunatic, corrupt MFer, according to a new book. According to a new book, President Obama called Trump a madman, racist, sexist, pig, lunatic, and a corrupt MFR. The Guardian reported on Edward Isaac Dove's new book, He's a Madman. Dove reports Obama telling big donors looking to squeeze a reaction out of him in exchange for big checks they were writing to his foundation. More often, I didn't think it would be so bad. Sometimes, I didn't think we'd have a racist, sexist pig depending on your outrage of the day, for passing that effing lunatic with a shake of his head. 
Obama's strongest remark, Dover reports, was prompted by reports that Trump was speaking to foreign leaders, including Vladimir Putin and the investigation of Russian election interference and links between Trump and Moscow without any aides on the call. Obama has never hidden his feelings about Donald Trump. Obama extended all the courtesies to Trump during the 2016 transition, which Trump did not do for Joe Biden, but his feelings about the former one-term president have not been secret or hidden from public view. The difference is that the new book reports on those feelings explicitly. And Trump wasn't trying to rob the federal treasury blind. He spent the rest of his presidency trying, to, trying and failing to undo Obama's legacy. Now that he's out of office, no drama, Obama is gone. And we are getting to read a dash of the real feelings of the former popular president. Or I should say popular formula president. He's not formally popular. He's a popular formula. Though that's all convoluted. Anyway... We are starting to learn some of the realness of the feelings that President Obama is having for the Trumps. And actually, we've learned a lot of the realness for his wife, Michelle Obama, had for the Trumps beforehand. But now President Obama got really vocal when it was time for an election and really vocal sort of in the, in the aftermath of what's going on now that things are alleviated. And there's the aftermath of Trumpism, which apparently has never gone away. But we're learning more and more about how former presidents interact with their with their, their people that take over for them uh, in a way that we've never had before. In fact, the fact that we have like all the living presidents have become a super duper club and I always seem to do that. Even when Nixon was around, Nixon was embraced by the former presidents because he held a role that was rare. Not many people can say they're a former president. And so you got to keep in the club. Trump. Well, Trump is apparently is going to be Trump. At number four, Sasha Johnson, Black Lives Matter activist in, cr in critical condition after gunshot to the head. Monday, the 24th, the day we posted this one, with a bump in response from the number five story of 14.52%. Engagement on the day that it actually got posted into the newsletter on Tuesday of 23.28%, a big day uh, on the day posted. From The Guardian, we get this, and this is one that reminds us that Black Lives Matter is a global thing because Sasha Johnson is a Black Lives Matter activist in South London. The incident happened on Sunday, early on a Sunday. We, of course, got the word of it. By the time we got it, it was Monday. That's when we posted for you guys to see, and you guys responded to this pretty heavily. Going deeper in the story, the spokesperson said the investigation was at the early stages. Nothing to support suggests it was a targeted attack or that um, she had received any credible threats that this was going to happen. No advance notice that something was happened. But it's very serious, and there have been no updates, as far as I can tell, in the news for Sasha Johnson. Black Lives Matter, the organization, may not be having the big renaissance at the moment, but a lot of people are talking Black Lives Matter. Oddly enough, part of it is from the year anniversary a few days ago of George Floyd's murder and all of the marching and protests that happened during pandemic times. And oddly enough, because they're being compared to those marches to do January 6th insurrection stuff, which is a whole nother bit of crazy on its own. We are sending out plenty of thoughts and prayers to Sasha Johnson and her family, hoping for a speedy recovery. Whether you agree with her or not, this sort of stuff shouldn't happen. So you should hopefully agree. We can agree on that stuff, whether you're on looking from things from my point of view or not quite my point of view. The sniping on people is something that really does not make anything happen for the better of anybody. So hopefully we can agree on that.
We can also agree that this next story is equally as sad. At number three, University of Cincinnati soccer star Ali Sidlowski, 21, drowns in Ohio Lake after hanging off boat swimming platform. Also posted on Monday, the 24th of May. This story is the top rated Facebook story, which helped rise it up to where it is right here. Still was a top story as well. Uh, it is a bumping response from the story at number four of 21.36%. And on the day that we posted this one inside of the newsletter, it was a 17.87% uh, engagement of the day. And uh, the sun online is our source for the story. I'm going to read you this really quick because it's a very quick story. The tragic incident took place in East Fork State Park in Claremont County on Saturday, where 21-year-old Ali Sidlowski suddenly disappeared into the water, authorities said. Her body was found the following day around 1 a.m., and officials said she was not wearing a life jacket at the time. Soccer head coach Neil Stafford said paid a tribute to, quote, a great student and a, quote, phenomenal human being. Sidlowski made her debut with the Bearcats in 2019, but missed the next season due to an injury. A sophomore from Strongsville, Sidlowski had a 4.0 GPA and had earned academic All-AAC honors. She was also a three-time All-Greater Cleveland Conference selection. The Cincinnati Bearcats tweeted, quote, We are saddened by the tragic loss of student-athlete Ali Sidlowski. Athletic Director John Cunningham said, The Bearcat family suffered an extreme loss. Please respect the privacy of Slutlowski and members of our soccer team as they grieve the loss of their daughter, sister, teammate, and friend. As I said, engagement on that one, 17.87% the day it was posted. Uh, someone who most people in just sort of randomness probably never heard of, but just the tragedy of the story and the timing of things here. It happens. As we say, we called it um, the unlucky. When we did the brackets, we called it the unlucky brackets because the stories as they were placed were essentially based on the randomness of how they get placed in the day. You never really know what happens, and that's what's going there. So our thoughts and prayers going also out to the family of Amy, Amy Sidlowski and the family, extended family she has with the loss there. Another story I had no idea would make any traction that made traction was also a big story that lasted quite the the weekend, quite the time. We posted on Sunday, the 23rd of May. It got a bumper response from the number three story of 37.14%. And it was on the day posted at Monday, the Monday newsletter, a 9.4% engagement. So it was pretty big going forward. There's also one that you didn't actually get a chance to see because I screwed that one up too. Here's the headline and the quick story. Kings Island forced to close early Saturday due to fights in park parking lot. Kings Island closed 30 minutes early Saturday due to several fights out in, inside the park and out in the parking lot, according to authorities and park officials. Troopers with the Ohio State Highway Department say there were several fights in the afternoon and then one large fight happened just before 10 p.m. Mason police say they responded to reports of unruly guests primarily juveniles inside Kings Island and out in the parking lot. Kings Island said in the statement, quote, the safety of our guests and associates is always our top priority. On Saturday, the decision was made to close the park three minutes early due to unruly behavior and altercations involving a number of teenagers. This behavior did not align with our park's values and was not the experience we want any guests to have while visiting Kings Island, unquote. It's unclear how many people were involved in the fights or how they started. 
Mesa police say no arrests were made. So it looks like weird, childish silliness from teenagers turned into a big whoop to do. And the Kings Island amusement park had to shut down early. As we said, no updates to that story, but this was a big one that rolled through the weekend. And of course, you didn't get a chance to experience in the newsletter, but it was so big. And I guess time it caught up inside of feeds enough. You picked it out to be the number two story this week, which is quite a production on its own. But now let's not kid ourselves. The big production goes to the story at number one. And this one, also one that was posted later than I saw it and was sort of mingled around and pushed a bit. But by the time it hit the hit the bricks, oh boy, you guys cared. As much as you guys care about Harry and Meghan, apparently you care that much more about Brad and Angie. This story was the top Twitter story of the week, which normally number one story is, but by leaps and bounds, making it a bump in response from the number two story of 94.36%. A bump in response from the number 10 story, Lil Nas X and his wardrobe malfunction of 476%. And a bump in response from the almost irrelevant story of the week, that is story 208 this week. We'll give you the headline in just a bit, but it's more popular, more engaging than that story. By 27,460%. Your headline, Brad Pitt gets big win in custody battle against Angelina Jolie. Posted Wednesday, the 26th of May, for all you guys to see. As I said, this story actually came out hours earlier, and it kept getting pushed back, back, and back until it actually came up in the feed, and you guys ate it up completely. Let's read that story, and then let's commiserate or commentate as you will. Brad Pitt scored a major, major win in court after a judge awarded him and ex-Angelina Jolie 50-50 joint legal and physical custody of their five minor children. The ruling is a bit of a knockout blow for the actress as she was asking for sole custody of the kids. She also wanted Brad to only have supervised visits, arguing that he was not a suitable parent. According to TMZ, the judge felt Angie's statement, quote, lacked credibility Throughout the court course of the custody battle, several witnesses from all walks of life testified and lauded Brad and his love for his children. Although the ruling is, quote, tentative, it's widely expected that the decision will become concrete. Brad and Angie split in 2016 after he had a confrontation with Maddox, then 15, while aboard a private plane. No charges were filed following the investigation from child welfare officials. For some time, he was estranged from his children, but those relationships have largely been repaired Brad and Angelina have six children, Maddox, who is now 19, Pax, 17, Sahara, 16, Shiloh, 14, and 12-year-old twins, Vivian and Knox. Since Maddox is now a legal adult, she is not subject to the ruling, so she can hang out with Brad Pitt all she wants to because she is 19. Now, this is another one of those not-my-business stories, but apparently my business because y'all thought it was my business. So we're going to talk about it uh, quickly, but we will give it some commentary time. Uh, Parenting is hard. Relationships are hard. And relationships involving parenting are hard as well. And so while the biggest issues between Brad and Angelina are mostly Brad and Angelina issues, the overarching thing is, unless there's some really, really dangerous stuff going on, and Angelina leads on that maybe Brad's not that great of a guy, although people think he is, parents should be parents to their children, even if they're not together as a couple of parents. 
Brad Pitt should have access and custody and time with his kids, unless there's something that we aren't seeing uh, that is showing that he really is not all that great for the children. I suspect that most of the actual interest in the story is the fact that Angelina Jolie was featured in a trailer fairly previously for her new movie, The Eternals, a new Marvel movie where she is starring as one of the Eternals. And so she's in the spotlight. Brad Pitt, I don't think he's done anything meaningful in the last bit uh, other than the table read, the Zoom table read of Fast Times at Richmond Hyde where he uh, was flirting with um, Jennifer Aniston. That turned into a thing when I'm not sure that should have been a thing either. But tis what it is. We hope that the Pitt Jolies together as parents, as adults, can learn to live this thing as adults and that the children, which is the most important part of this thing, turn out as well as possible. But as well as possible is relative to rich children of Hollywood stars because, well, they are rich children of Hollywood stars. They can afford plenty of therapy or they can thrash as much stuff as possible and their parents can mostly pay for it. It is what it is. So also what this is about is a way to make sure that more people are more engaged in more conversational things and more things that are, I, I, that I'll say frankly, more intelligent things. And the best way you can do that is by sometimes dropping your cell phone and reading all the junk that is the news and picking up your cell phone and listening to an app like Blinkist. Blinkist allows you to catch up on all the reading that you say you want to do and literally catch up in record time. What it does, it takes great nonfiction books and breaks them down into blinks, into different pieces that are the main points of the book and enough blinks to give you the full book. Or if you, if you want more than that, you can actually click on it and buy the full book later on. And usually in about 15 minutes, you can read a full book that is an audio version, the full audiobook. 12 to 13 because you're getting the nuts and bolts the information that you really want from the books blink is personally allows me to read a book a day air quotes by either listening to the blinks or sometimes reading the actual blinks they have them written down as well and these are a couple books i just recently finished how to kill a unicorn by mark Payne, alien thinking by sarah bouquet skip the line by james altacusher and zero to one Peter Thiel, and Blake Masters. I was able to read all four of those books over a span of a few days because I had 15 minutes worth of time to take in the blinks. And if you get the app, we will deal you a great deal. You get a seven-day free trial of the full app by going to thisisaconversation.com slash Blinkist. Thisisaconversation.com slash Blinkist. Get a full seven-day free trial of the app and see what you are missing because you're missing out on lots of great books. They're adding more books every single day. If there's a new nonfiction book out there that you want to get into, just wait a few weeks. They'll turn into a blink and you can get it into your ears and into your mind that way. Check it out. It's, I, it's, a, it's an app I can't live without. It's books when you don't think you have time for books. It is Blinkist. Blinkist will help take care of you. And we're glad that they help take care of us as a part of our promotions.
So breaking down the numbers and being done with the whole thing as we wrap things up right now, we told you top Twitter story, of course, Brad Pitt uh, getting custody of his kids over Angelina Jolie, or at least 50-50 custody. The top Facebook story was the story about Ali Sidlowski, the University of Cincinnati soccer star who died in a boating accident. Uh, but the engagement this week, um, while massive in the large wake, Still big, but not quite as crazy as it's been in past weeks. The engagement for the top story, which I did not get to, the full engagement of the story was 11.47%. That's total engagement across the entire week. Uh, so, so that means the top 10 stories are a bit above average at 40.39% for total engagement for the week. 40% of all you people who got into a story saw one of those stories in the top 10. The almost rands, the stories that are 11 through 15 that give you some perspective, not quite in the range there. Those stories took up 8.11%. So that's more or less in range. They're usually about 6 to 7% for stories that aren't there. So those stories were a little higher, but still not quite high enough. And our almost relevant story of the week, this story at 0.04% of total engagement for the week, which is actually a bit bit high because it's usually 0.03 but still not much to make any sort of dent oh by the way the totals for your twitter and facebook responses this week twitter was really ruling ruling the roost with the brad pitt story taking off like crazy 94.75 percent so 95 percent of all the responses week were on the twits with only 5.25 percent basically five percent on the facebook we need more people in the facebook please 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 so let's get to the story that's at the very bottom of the list it's called the Almost Relevant Story of the Week because it's usually something that pops up on late Thursday, early Friday as we're cutting off the stories for the countdown. But often now, as we've adjusted how this thing works, it's a story that pops up somewhere in the week that either in the middle of the night or just doesn't get any attention. And other thing, everything else is just high enough to push it to the bottom. This story started off last Friday. So we posted this one very early into our stretch and it basically went nowhere and stayed there at nowhere. It was posted on Friday the 21st, as we said, and with the bump in response or the below bump in response of 27,460% less responsive than the top story at engagement of 0.04, wasn't meaning very much, but the story itself Extremely interesting. I've pulled the full story down, the full write-up, so this will take a bit, so bear with me, and I'm going to read it slowly so I don't screw up the reading. The New York, the Psychological Post is where we got this, sidepost.org, so you can click a link on it and see exactly what the sources were for this. But here's your headline. Studies suggest that women wearing heavier makeup are perceived as having less mental capacity and less moral status. Yes, I posted this because I have to fill 24 hours worth a day or about 30 stories a day into the feed. And you guys did not quite care for this one. But here is the details anyway. Although many women feel a sociality, social, societal pressure, that's a word, to wear makeup, a new study suggests that women who wear makeup are not always top positively evaluated. Women wearing more makeup were more likely to receive objectifying judgments concerning their mental and moral capacity through the assumptions about their sexual behavior. Findings were published in the European Journal of Social Psychology. Makeup companies are part of a multi-billion dollar industry that is primarily marketed towards women, and cosmetics are widely used by women around the globe. In two experiments, study authors Dax J. Kelly and his colleagues aimed to unearth the positive and negative aspects of makeup wearing. 
An initial experiment had a sample of women between the ages of 18 and 59 imagine that they were about to participate in one of four hypothetical scenarios. Going on a date, attending a job interview, creating an Instagram post, or going to the grocery store, a controlled condition. That was a controlled condition. After being assigned to the scenario, the women were either asked to apply makeup for the situation, using a digital app to apply makeup to the photograph, or to write about the situation. All subjects then completed self-assessments of agency, humanness, competitiveness towards other women, and reaction to, the part- to a partner's jealousy. The researchers found little evidence to suggest that the application of makeup had any benefit on the women's self-perceptions. There were no significant differences in the women's self-ratings by makeup condition, scenario, or amount of makeup applied using the app. In a follow-up experiment, a sample of men and women were shown a subset of photographs of the participants from the first experiment. The set of photos, including 101 photographs taken before makeup was applied using the app, and the same 101 photographs after the makeup was applied. Participants were asked questions addressing their perceptions of each woman's mental and moral capacity. The responses were divided into two measures, agency, ability to think, plan, and knowingly act out behavior, and patiency, capacity for feeling pain, emotions, and being the target of wrongful behavior. The researchers found that the amount of makeup the women wore affected perceptions of the agency and patency, though judgments and their of their attractiveness and sexual behavior, through judgments of their attractiveness and sexual behavior. But women with heavier makeup were also rated as more likely to engage in casual sex, which in turn was associated with lower agency and patience. These findings suggest that the link between makeup and attractiveness does not lead women to be sexually objectified. However, the link between makeup and casual sex behavior does by leading women to be judged as less capable of mental and moral experiences. So, the too long didn't read version of that, women who wear more makeup are seen as more sexual because they're also seen as less moral. And that's a study. That is not me. I will not sign off on that agreement, but I will sign off right now for the end of the show. We want to thank everybody for stopping by this week. Being a part of the overall shenanigans, that is, talking about news stories that are interesting and in some cases, not quite interesting enough to you, but still pretty interesting on its own. This is the conversation offers up this great podcast, a weekly wrap up. And the conversation project is something that hopes to bring out more conversations like this in grander scales going forward. If you want to help support the podcast, Go to thisisaconversation.com and see various ways where you can engage with our sponsors or visit buymeacoffee.com slash jclivenpain. You can also go to thisisaconversation.com slash partnerships. The same link is there as well. And consider buying me and the rest of the crew coffees. The most important thing you can do is make sure you are following us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook, This Is A Conversation, and Twitter, TH underscore conversation. That way you can engage with the stories. Like them, love them, hate them, share them. Every 50 minutes we're posting new news stories. So you tell us what stories to talk about by engaging with them and telling us which ones are more engaging, therefore more conversational. And to help us out with the podcast, just share it with friends, share it with loved ones, share it with people who are also into news, uh, quirky news, important news, and knowing the deeper parts of the news. We do not want to be your P1. We do not want to be your primary source of news because we aggregate from other places as well. But we want to make sure that we offer up a very wide swath of things to talk about. And then you tell us which ones are the better things to talk about. 
In fact, we are doing that right now. We don't stop. We post every 50 minutes, 24-7. And so we're already posting things, preparing for the next go-around of this podcast. So make sure you're checking your feed and checking the newsletter and checking the website. We have a, a, a section that shows you the, the five stories in range at the moment. Then check us out next week. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and check us out next week so you can see what stories actually end up in the top 10 and at the very, very bottom of the weekly wrap-up with Jake Cleveland Payne. So for all the crew, I am that guy in the name, Jake Cleveland Payne. Thank you so much again for being with us, and we will talk to you again next week. <laughs>